Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Friday is the day where the enemy has taken hostage. But we believe that God is giving us Fridays back. Amen? We believe that Fridays is going to be formation, not deformation. Where a lot of people are deforming their future, God is forming yours. And I know that God's going to do something amazing today. I just invite you to do something that perhaps you haven't done in a long time. And that is to simply quiet your spirit. Let God speak. A lot of the times we are always moving, always thinking, always trying to, to, to think of, 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 of an excuse for, for our life, our attitudes. We're trying to figure out why the person's wrong instead of figuring out what's wrong with me. What do I need to change? And so I'm going to invite you to do something, like I said, it's a little bit different. And the Bible says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God and he shall lift you up. Notice that God won't humble you. You need to humble yourself before the hand of God and he's the one that's going to lift you up. So let's pray and let's ask God to give us the humility to receive, not from me, but from his word. And that he can truly form our lives to his likeness and image. Dear God, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Thank you for this heat. God, thank you because I know that uh, it is just uh, another reminder, God, that we don't want to go to hell. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Awesome. All right, cool. So... I want to share with you uh, out of Jonah chapter 1, Jonah chapter 1, and today's uh, uh, title of the, of the message, I know, uh, by the way, uh, we want to give the media team a big round of applause. Thank you, Noemi, so much. And Whitney, you guys are amazing. And everybody else in the media department, there's a lot of people that are joining that have a bunch of talents, and they're about to walk in, and, and they're going to step into, into roles. And I just pray that God uses you powerfully, that your creativity can be um, bringing God some glory. Anyway, so God can wait, your future can't. What's it called? God can wait, your future can't. Oh, God has time. Believe me. Time is on his side. But your future cannot wait. You can't wait anymore. I don't believe for one second that you are irreplaceable. Neither am I. We all here, as strange as, as it sounds, no matter what your mommy told you, all of us in this room, all of us in this room in here, we're here by grace, not because we're needed. You're here because you're loved. I love being loved. I'd rather be loved than needed. Now, some people want to be needed, but that's at a low self-esteem. To be loved is much better than to be needed. To be desired is much better than to have to put up with somebody because you need them. Does that make sense? If you're in a relationship, well, I need you because otherwise I won't be able to pay rent. Or, I love you. I enjoy being with you. I want you next to me. Which one of those two would you choose? Well, it depends which one of those you are, right? If somebody's paying rate for me, I don't care. No, no, no. You, you have to wonder. You have to ask yourself, like, Lord, do you love me or do you need me? I believe God loves you so much. He desires you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He brought you here today where you should have been dead or not here. You should be somewhere else. I know I should have been definitely somewhere else. But out of the love of God and the grace of God, I'm here hearing of his love and his mercy and his forgiveness. So I want to share with you quite possibly one of the strangest stories in the scripture. And at first it's strange and even hard to believe that a man could be swallowed by a, by a big fish, by a whale. And of course you can go and look into records, see if this ever happened and did it happen, did it not. You know, there's stories about it, there's articles about it. But I find it much harder to believe that some of you 
would be in this place, then somebody could be swallowed by a whale and survive. You shouldn't be here. God has had so much love for you that he has you here. Man, to talk about the transformation of some of our lives, to think of who you were before Christ and after Christ, and you're thinking, no way, not him, not her. And then you see the, the love of God and the transformational power of the Lord. The ability to make something dead come to life. Like a marriage that is falling apart and the Lord makes something so beautiful of it. Right? Or maybe it's someone who, who wants to end their own life and wants to kill themselves. And after Christ comes in, now they become an agent of life-giving source. Does that make sense? Then all of a sudden, they're not just surviving through life. They're thriving and helping other people thrive in life. See, that is the, the hard part that people can see and they think, nah, I don't believe in this fish being, you know, swallowing some guy. I find it that it is much easier to believe in that than to believe in people sometimes. Yet God believes in us. And if God can believe in you, if God can believe in us, then I'm telling you this story. It's not just true. It's, it's my story and it's your story. Let's read. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's Jonah chapter 1. By the way, if you ever want to tell somebody, yeah, I read a whole book of the Bible today. Just read Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's pretty awesome. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for the, their wickedness has come upon before me. Check this out. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. Okay. So he went down to Joppa. Found a ship which was not to Tarshish. <laughs> I love it. He found a ship which was not to Tarshish. Hey, uh, where's this ship going? Uh, not to Tarshish. Perfect. I'll take it. All right. Pay the fare and went down in to go with, with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there were great storms on the sea so that the ship was about to break. Then the sailors became afraid and every man cried to his God and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to light to lighten it uh, for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're asleep? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us and that he, we will not perish. Seven, verse seven. Each man said to his mate. They're like English. Hello, mate. Come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Hmm. Then they said to him, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is it? What is your occupation, sir? What do you do? He's like, uh, I'm not a pastor. And where do you come from? <laughs> what is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew and the and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the seas and dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, pick me up. Throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men, check this out, rowed desperately. They didn't want to throw them over. They kept on rowing and rowing to, to return to land, but they could not. For the sea was becoming even stormier against them. 
14, then they called on the Lord and said, we earnestly pray, oh Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us for you, oh Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Close your eyes. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you because I know it was written in blood where so many people have paid a great price so that we can have these words. Lord, I know that for many, many years, emperors and, and kings have been trying to erase these words from history. Current politicians continue to do the same. But Lord, once it's inscribed in our hearts, it'll never go away. Lord, I pray right now that anyone that is in this room, that their lives will be transformed, not to our image or to the image of a religion, but to the image and the likeness of you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. First thing we find in this story, and I'm just going to break it down really quick because I know it's hot and it's harder to stay awake when it's hot. But that's why they, you guys know that in school, that's why they put the AC on full blast. You guys really know, I'm serious. So when you're cold, you're not, you're not trying to fall asleep. But some, remember this, okay. This guy, right, he, he, he gets a call from God. The Lord calls him to do something amazing, to bring about the greatest revival on earth history. The revival was so awesome. I'm going to fast forward to the fourth chapter. The revival was so awesome that even the cows were repenting. Like that's what the word of God says. And when I mean the cows, I don't mean that's a derogatory term to somebody that you don't like. I mean like the animals were re like really repenting. They were just really turning. Uh, that sounds strange. I know. We read the book. But it's really amazing because this revival was the best revival with the worst sermon. It's a sermon of less than 10 words. And they weren't even good words. It was like in 40 days this town's going to be turned over. And then the town like literally just turns upside down, like turns from their sin, they begin to mourn, they begin to fast, they begin to pray. The entire Nineveh, the most wicked nation, all of a sudden repents and turns to God, including their pets. That is incredible. Okay, now that, 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 that you already know about the story. But what I want to get to is what in the world let this man to be the guy that you and I know as the one who was swallowed by a fish. Because this story is not about a fish. It's about obedience, delayed obedience, and disobedience. This story, it's about someone who has a call in their life like yourself and who chooses not to obey it. First thing I realize is that when you run away from the call of God in your life, and when I mean the call of God, I don't mean some strange call to do something strange. I mean to live out what God has called you to live. Maybe you're meant to be not a missionary in Africa, but a missionary to Elac or, you know, uh, to UCLA or to USC or uh, give me another school around here. You guys don't go to school? No? Okay, good, good. Okay, where? Pasadena City, PCC. Thank you, right? Biola, APU, all them Christians need Jesus too, right? And I'm telling you, it's true, right? God can call you to be a missionary wherever you work. I don't know, a missionary at Starbucks. How about that? Hey, I'm telling you, God can call you on a mission to your own family. And that is the hardest thing, isn't it? See, because I believe that Jonah... He understood that God called him to bring redemption to a people, but he was so scared or so angry or just simply not wanting to obey God for his own personal gain or benefit that he said, forget this, I'm going to run away from the presence of God. Which brings me to the very first point and that it everything, everything seemed like he was doing the right thing. When he was running away from God, the doors began to open for him. He happened to find a ship that was precisely not going to Nineveh. Now, of course, that seems odd and seems strange. But he found 
this ship that was going to Tarshish, and he had enough money to pay the fare, supposedly, right, to go completely the opposite direction from God. This is where I want you to hear the very first point. Let's go to the first one. Some open doors are not his. They are yours. Meaning, just because a door opens in your life, it doesn't mean it's from God. It doesn't mean that God unlocked it. It means that you probably forced your way into it. Or just because there's an open door in your life, it doesn't mean that God is behind that door. It may be a trap. It may be the enemy. Or it may honestly just not be a door for you. It was open for someone else to walk through. Listen to me, please. Listen for a second. Some doors, the Bible says that he found a ship which was going to Tarshish. Some doors that you think are the easiest way out, they're actually the hardest way out. There's no way that when you walk away from the call of God in your life, that anything will be easy in you. And if anything is easy as you run away from God, it's directly demonic. Let me repeat this to you. If you find it easy to be away from God, then that's Satan opening doors for you. When you walk away from God, it should be nothing but hellish. Why? Because the definition of hell in my book is simply the absence of the presence of God. Anywhere, man, it could be heaven-like. Without God, it's still hell. It can be cool as a fan in the middle of winter, and it still could be hell. Let me tell you why. Because whenever a door opens in your life, if it opens in the wrong direction, you don't want to walk through that door. There's been many times where I've been offered a way out that was not really the way out, but it was into destruction. For just a minute, please pause and think about this. Is God really opening the doors that I think are open? Whenever you're about to go to an encounter, you know, whenever you're about to do something for the Lord, start going to church or start going to cell group, all of a sudden, that Friday night, when you just got the chance to go to, to, go to church, you just got the invitation, all of a sudden, you get a job on Friday nights. What a beautiful door you just got, right? Or, hey, you know, that girl never cared about you ever, ever, ever. You're trying to go to church on Sunday, and all of a sudden, she calls you in the morning. It's like, wait a minute, who is this? You don't know who I am? I've heard of you. Does that make sense? It's almost, like, it's, it's almost like clockwork, and it happens all the time. It seems too easy to cheat sometimes, doesn't it? It's just, it was there. It was there. I remember one time I got over, anybody got changed back like more than you should? Well, God blessed me. Maybe it's not an open door from God. Maybe it's a test, and you're failing miserably. Well, you know. I found it. You found it on somebody's purse. Does that make sense? Like you don't, some open doors are not open doors. Some open doors are traps or tests. And so just jot that down. I don't want to spend too much more time because it's really self-explanatory. Just because there was a ship going the opposite direction and just because there was space in it and just because there was an extra ticket there that might have been on sale for him, there's always a hidden cost. There's always, always, listen to me, there's always a hidden cost. Point number two, it is hard to pray to the one you disobey. It is hard to pray to the one you disobey. We find it really interesting how he says that he paid the fare. It says on verse 3 that Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare. You cannot afford that kind of fare, I promise you. Have you guys ever taken a cheap flight where it seems so cheap and you're like, that's an awesome flight, I scored. And it seems so cheap and then you end up paying for everything. Oh, you got socks? You got to pay a little bit more. It's because you got socks on. This is a sockless flight. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, what? 
Spirit, thank you, right? Everything's so, so cheap. And then you show up and they charge you for everything. Wait, did you gain any pounds from the time you, you, you signed up? Because if you did, that's a little extra. I'm telling you, they'll charge you for bags. They'll charge you for everything. Not only that, there's fees after the fees of the fees. You forgot that there's a fee for the fee, right? And that is if your bags happen to make it to its destination. Eoni and I on our honeymoon, we showed up in our honeymoon without bags. It's okay, we didn't need a mask. No, we showed up without bags. Why? Because we're on the beach all the time. We're like, woo, having fun, right? We show up on no bags, right? We, they lost our baggage. You know, sometimes what seems to be cheap ends up being so expensive, right? Whatever's cheap, my grandpa used to say, lo barato cuesta caro. Right? The cheap stuff is super expensive, right? Always, always. This guy said, yeah, I'll pay the fare. Let me ask you, what is the wage that you will pay for running away from God? I mean, a genuine question. What is the, the fare that you will pay to run away from God? What is the cost of running from God? If you've never been to church before, this message is also for you. If this is your first time or if you're a pastor's kid, this is your message, I promise you. The fare that you pay for running away from God is far, far too costly. The fare you will pay to run away from God, it is way too expensive. Don't do it. Don't pay it. This guy, he paid the price. And here's the crazy thing. He paid the price, but he didn't pay it all up front. He paid it in small payments. Ten easy payments on $9.99. Right? The Bible says... I actually want to jump uh, to the very next one because this is where I really want to focus. The verse 3. Disobedience always is always personal, but it is never private. The boat began to sink. The price he began to pay is the loss of personal property. Listen to me for just a second. The Bible says in this story that this guy, he began to sink in the boat. That the boat started shaking so bad, the storm came upon him and he started losing everything. He began to pay the price for his disobedience. And the, in the beginning, sin is always fun. Sin, I know that. If sin wasn't fun, if sin didn't taste good, nobody would do it. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Sin in the beginning is always good. It's always fun. But it gets old and it gets boring. I promise you. The problem with that is that sin is a sedative. Sin is a sedative. What is a sedative? Sin is something that puts you to sleep. It lulls you to sleep. The Bible says that Jonah was fast asleep in the boat. Everybody else was crying out. Everybody else was praying to their own God. Everybody else was freaking out. These were not sissies. These were sailors. These guys were used to storms. These guys knew how to handle themselves. I could see that, that, that show. What's it called? The, the one where they have the danger, dangerous job, dangerous catch or something. What's it called? Yeah, dangerous catch. Have you guys seen those things or no? It's like this... Freaking huge storms and they're trying to catch crab. I'm like, okay, dude, that's, that, you can't pay me enough for that. You know, these guys were sailors. These guys were experienced. They were going to cry for just a drizzle. For drizzle, right? These guys were not going to just start weeping for any reason. There was a storm that was sinking them. And what was Jonah doing? Sleeping. And you got to ask yourself, this, is, this to me is quite possibly the most important point I'll make today. Listen, please. The peace of God and the peace of God of sin both exist there is such a thing as peace of sin whoa that doesn't sound right oh in my teacher in my school no 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 look 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 
my theology, my old pastor. I don't care what your old pastor said. I don't care what your Bible teacher said. I don't care what YouTube says. There is such a thing as peace from sin. And there is such a thing as peace from God. I find two men that were sleeping in a storm. Two men sleeping in a boat. One was Jesus Christ. And he was sleeping because he was trusting in the Lord. Walking in the center of the will of God. He knew his destiny. He knew what he was doing. He was walking in obedience. On the other side you have a guy sleeping in a boat in the same type of storm. I tell you what, he was fast asleep. Do you know why? Because he was sedated by sin. Because that's what sin does to you and it's what does to me. It makes you numb to reality. It makes you numb to the future. All you have is your pillow. All you have is that bed that you're lying on. This is what sin does. You no longer feel and so it's hard to pray to a God that you're disobeying. It is hard to pay to a God that you're disobeying. It is expensive to walk away from God because eventually, listen to me, please, you will fall asleep and you won't realize when you sink and when you're sinking, it may be too late. The problem with that is that sin is always personal but it's never private. The problem with sinking sinners is that they always want people to sink with them. Listen, you will bring down people with you. That sounds harsh but it is Formation Fridays. The problem with sinking sinners is that we always bring down people with us. The problem with sinking sinners is that we always bring down people with us. We can't stand to sink alone. We don't like it. We won't do it. Here's the grace of God. This is where obedience steps in. To where God begins to restore, renew, regenerate, revitalize. And all of a sudden when you do well... When you get yourself straight with God, when you settle accounts with your king, the rest of the people can rejoice. The Bible says that as soon as he settled accounts with God, as soon as he was thrown into that water, the storm calmed down. Now check this out. Who did it calm for? For Jonah? Because Jonah was still sinking, buddy. Jonah was still being swallowed up, becoming fish vomit. Right? He still had a process to go through for the people that were with him in the boat. Here's a word of caution. If there's people running away from God... Don't generate more intimacy with them. Sometimes the most important thing in your life is not who's around you, but who you're willing to do without. I know that sounds super tough and pastor don't say that because I brought no people. I know. I know. But those people also need to hear this. I had someone I dragged along for, along for a long time because he was funny. This guy was full of nasty jokes, dirty things. I dragged him along as my friend. And I've realized this is not a friend. Every time I'm around him, I think nasty. I think horrible. Double meaning. This is a guy from college. I mean from high school. This guy was a funny guy. The guy that every time he spoke, he just made you laugh. And it was funny, but it was vile. It was nasty. I was at church one day. The pastor was preaching. He said something. And I was like, <laughs> I laughed. And nobody else laughed. Because it was a double meaning joke to me. It was something pure, something good. And I realized, holy chamoy, something is wrong with me. Can I do without this friendship? Now, here's the thing. I will always, always be welcoming and, and always be open to bring somebody closer to my life and my family so long as they're not trying to sink my ship. You have to protect your future, your destiny, your family, your children that you may not even have yet. But I promise you this. Your mama told you and maybe you didn't listen to her. But maybe you'll hear me for just tonight. Some people you can do without. Well, who's going to help them? I promise you one thing. If you haven't been able to help him in 10 years, 5 years, you won't be able to help him in 2018. You cannot sell real answers to somebody who just wants to buy echoes. See, because we all have a time. The question is, 
Do you want to wait for their time? Because your time is now. And I know that sounds cold. But look, one of my friends ended up being a shot caller in the bloods. Ended up going to prison for five years. I didn't go to prison with him. Guess who was waiting for him outside of prison when he came out? I was. Really willing to bring him back to where he knew he belonged. At the feet of Jesus Christ. And so he did. The reason I tell you this is because one of my other friends became a porn star. Guess who didn't do videos with her? Thank you. Me. Yes. Yes. Right? Guess who was waiting for her eventually to sit down with my wife next to her at a restaurant just praising God because of her baptism. Am I making sense? You don't have to sync with people to love them. Did you know that? You don't have to sync with someone to love them. As a matter of fact, if you sync with them, how are you going to help them out? Who in the world... Who in the world will be there when the fish throws them back up? I invite you today to really ask yourself, Lord, who here is running away from God? Who in my life is running away from God? Who here, you know, completely devalues the call of God in their life? And do I really want to grow closer to that person? I don't care if they're a part of this church. I don't even care if they're a leader of this church. Listen, I got pastor friends that are not my friends. They're people I respect, but I don't want to have their mentality. I don't want to have their mindset. I want people that make my vision, my heart, my future a reality. Am I making sense? You don't want people in your life. I'm not saying you don't say hi. I'm not saying you're not kind or cordial. You give what you can and as best as you can. What I am telling you is that there's people that are intimate in your boat that are close to you, that are rowing right next to you. These people must be people that help you grow, that help you get closer to your purpose, that help you not sink, but instead make it to where God has called you to go. Somebody please say amen. So, because sin is a sedative, what it does is you don't recognize the storms, you don't recognize anything around you, and just because you feel peace, you say it must be from God. And that is such a lie from the pit of hell. I have met people, myself included, that while hurting somebody felt peace. One time I remember we jumped this guy so bad. It was so bad, and I'm ashamed of even saying that. But hey, it was justified because he had done something to someone. We left him bleeding so badly. Listen to me. And I didn't feel bad about it. You think that's good? Well, we got him back. No, 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 no. That's cowardly, number one. Number two, it is evil to the core. You're hurting someone. I don't care who it is. Ah, but I felt good about it. You know why? Because we just got him back. See, you can feel justified about something. It doesn't mean you're just. You can feel peace, but that peace is not really the peace of God. I've met people that say, well, you know, I, I'm just not going to go to church anymore because of this, because of that. But I feel peace about it. I say, you don't feel peace about it. That's a shot to your spine that has numbed you. And you decided you don't want to walk with God anymore. Don't call it peace. Call it peace. <laughs> you know, never, never, never are you to say, hey, this is from God. When do you say it's from God? When you're running towards him. I realize that some things God asks you for, instead of peace, it brings you storms. Hey, I know that sounds contrary to what you would want to hear. But sometimes when you obey the call of God, you will have to face, storm, face storms. But I would ten times rather have a storm with God on my side than peace running away from him. Let me repeat that again. I would ten times rather have a storm with God on my side than peace running away from God. You will face storms regardless at some point or another. Baby, I'm telling you, this is the facts. These are the facts. Do you rather face them with the Lord on your side or do you rather face them with God on your back? 
I know that today is a tough day for you to hear one thing and one thing only. The peace that you feel may be laziness. It may not be peace at all. It may be that the enemy has lulled your life asleep enough to make you think you're not worth fighting. That you're not big enough to do anything about the status quo. That you can't do anything anyway, so why get up in the middle of the storm? What are you going to do, grab a bucket? What is a bucket in the middle of a storm? And I will tell you it has nothing to do with the bucket. It has to do with your obedience. It has to do with what you're willing to do for God. And let the Lord calm the storm. It, has, it was never, I'm telling you guys this right here, right now. That fish, that storm was never really about that. It was, the story was never about that. It was always about someone who obeys, who delays, or disobeys. Are you delaying? Are you disobeying? Or are you actually obeying God? Today is a great day to stop running away from God. And to say, Lord, I want to obey your call. I don't want to run away. Here's what Billy Graham says. He says that the further you go from God, the lower you sink. This is cool. Because I started looking at this story, and I, I love hearing Billy Graham. I love hearing the old, older, uh, he's not, he is older. I guess he passed away not too long ago. But I love hearing their sermons because they're sermons of the old times. Does that make sense? It's almost like these people had no one to please. Like, I don't care. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to leave? You know, well, I'm old, so it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when you get older, and you, I, I hope I get there when I'm a preacher, like old preacher. And like, I guess I'm already like that sometimes. But anyway, but, but, but I really love that because he says that the further somebody runs away from the call of God in their life, then they first go down to Joppa, then they'll go down to the ship, then to the bottom of the ship, then to the sea, then from the sea to the belly of the fish. Do you see the progression or the digression? You start here. You start in the mountain with God, you're hearing from the Lord, then you stop hearing from God because you're running from him and you think, hey, all is well, and it is not well. You're just going further from God and deeper and deeper and deeper. Here's a problem. Let me go to the next one. Next slide. Disobedience leads us to lose our cargo. This, to me, was so powerful, and this is where the title came from. You can not wait anymore. God can wait. God is patient. Matter of fact, he's more patient than any one of us in here can outlive. He can outlive you. That's how patient he is. If he doesn't bless you, he'll bless your next generation. That's how patient he is. I, I know that, that, listen, this is crazy. This is so wild. We were talking about this the other day. That God could actually skip a generation. Like if that guy doesn't hear the Lord because of what their grandpa did and great grandpa did, then the Lord can bless the next generation. That's how patient my God is. His patience can outlive your life. I cannot wait on the other hand. I say, Lord, I don't want to be so patient with my future that it never comes, that it never comes. I don't want to be so patient with my future that it never comes. See, because God can wait, but we can no longer wait. Here's what happens when you disobey God. You end up losing your cargo. Everything you worked for, everything you have in you, everything you bring with you, you will lose it, I promise you. Now, don't take my word for it. Take the word of thousands and thousands of men and women in this world that think they have the whole world, but they end up losing their soul. I read, uh, you know, there's a sticker. It's not famous anymore. It used to be all over the cars, all over the place. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. And that's such a lie, right? But we live that way. It's almost like, yeah, we can, we can get so much in this world and we can get a house and get a car and, you know, get this and get that. But at the end of the day, can I tell you this? At the end of the day, it may not even come to that. In the middle of the day for some of you, you will realize, I promise you that. This is not me just trying to put you down or make you feel bad about it in a hot day. I'm telling you this is true. You cannot take 
your car with you. You cannot take your house with you. You cannot take your shoes with you. You cannot take, you cannot take anything with you. You only could take your family with you, your friends, the people you share the love of Jesus with. You cannot take anything with you. Even if you are Egyptian, you think you could do it. You can't. Trust me. Somebody else is going to take it. You can't take it with you. You can take people to heaven with you, though. And that is amazing to me. This man was in this ship and all the men started losing all their cargo. They started throwing everything abroad, overboard. They started throwing everything, everything, everything. Here's one thing that God spoke to me here. And of course, this is where I really, really got excited. Some people try to keep their lives. They try to withhold. They try to hang on to things and they end up sinking with something so dumb. They end up sinking in depression and sadness. The saddest people are the less giving people. Don't get sad. We're not going to pick up another offering. The saddest people are the people that hang on to their stuff. They sink with their stuff. Listen to me, please. Please, for just a second. The most joyous, most exciting people to be around are the people that are giving and always outpouring, always giving their lives up for something greater than themselves. The most un. And I love a word in Spanish, infeliz. It sounds like a novella, like a soap opera. You infeliz. Mikey, can you say the word infeliz? Yes, it sounds so awesome. Right? Infeliz. No, with more, mm. can you say infeliz? Infeliz, right? It, it just sounds right. You know, all it means is you're unhappy. You unhappy. Doesn't sound the same in English, doesn't it? You unhappy person. Infeliz, right? You realize this, that the people that are most infelices, the most unhappy, un, like joyous lacking people, the most downright out, like depressed are the self-centered, self-seeking, I, I, I kind of people. This guy was trying to save his life because he didn't want to obey the call because it was his life and he wanted to go to his place and he wanted to go the way he wanted to go and do whatever he wanted to do with his life and not obey the Lord because it was his own decision. And at the end of the day, it ended up costing him everything he had. And that's just really how it works. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to win the whole world if he loses his soul? And that is a fact of life. What does it profit you and me to get three jobs, earn everything? And I'm not, hey, look, I'm not against work. Ask my wife. I work hard every single day. We work. As a matter of fact, anyone in our 12, we push them to get their degrees, to, to, to earn a living, not just survival, Right? We tell you will not be married on our team. You don't get somebody unless you make it here because you got to provide for your family. We believe in hard work. We believe that we are supposed to be the standard, not just look up and say, oh, that's awesome. We believe that God made you to shine, not to be some dim light dying out somewhere in the corner. Amen? But, but, don't get it just for, not for one second should you get it wrong in this. The Bible is very clear. This man, he tried to live his life, his own way, running away from the call of God and he lost Everything. I think he even lost the color of his skin. Now, this sounds strange, but this guy was washed out in the middle of this acid in the stomach of this belly. Now, he got puked out from this fish three days later, and he was just like smelling like, ugh. Imagine this guy. He had nothing left. He looked like, I don't know, like, ugh, like Freddy Krueger or something. You know, he was looking. He was, that's probably why the message was so powerful. They preached at Nineveh. It was like, oh, snap. Somebody came from the dead and told us this. I'm going to listen to the five words he just spoke, right? But listen, this guy lost everything. Even his looks, he lost everything, everything, until finally he decided to obey God. Let me finish with something simple. Surrender comes before salvation. Surrender comes before salvation. You cannot have salvation before surrender. Ever 
ever, ever. For your family, for your friends, for yourself. I don't preach a religion anymore. I used to. Because I thought religion saved people. Religion doesn't save anybody. Religion only makes people feel self-righteous. There's a lot of people, a lot of religious people that don't live out the purpose of God in their lives. See, we're not the only church that wants to actually disciple people. And lead Christians to be mobilized and to actually live out their faith. We're not the only church. I know that 100%. But here's the one thing. I know for sure this church, in this place, where you're sitting right now, you will never be comfortable. If you want comfort, it will never be in the purpose of God. Because wherever Jesus was, he didn't have a bed to lay on. He didn't have a pillow. He had rocks for pillows. We want comfort all the time. We don't want repentance. We don't want surrender. We don't want to say, God, here's my life at your feet. Do with it what you want. We love as Americans to preach an easy gospel. Hey, just come to God and it will be smooth sailing all along. Did you know that sometimes God will ask you to do some things. This is crazy. God will ask you to do some things that will be more dangerous than anything the enemy will ever throw at you. It's crazy to me. You will lose people. You'll lose friends. You may even lose, this is wild, your life. See, this is the message that the first century church heard. The disciples of Jesus began to lose their lives. Georgie, if you can help me out with a keyboard. for Did he just walk out? I'm so, ooh, Snapple. <laughs> you're like Mr. Deeds. I love, you guys said Mr. Deeds? It's like, yeah, Pierce, there. I love you, Georgie. You're the best. Give Georgie a round of applause because he's good looking. <laughs> this guy, this guy, Jonah, he, um, he thought he could run away from the presence of God. Isn't that funny? This guy was a prophet. Let me, let me just stop for a second. Listen. A prophet thinks he can run away from the presence of God. He acts like he doesn't even know the Bible anymore. He's like, yeah, I don't know the word of God. Here's what the word of God says. I love, love this part. For I'm convicted, convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. But it doesn't say from the purpose of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, but you could run away from his call. I wish I would have heard that <laughs> before college. But I'm glad I heard it when I did. I wish you can hear this from the heart, not from the podium. You can run away from the presence. You cannot run away from the presence of God. That's stupid. You don't run away from the presence of God. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. That, by definition, makes him God. Anything outside of that, I don't want to follow that guy. If someone can hide from him, what kind of God is he? You can't run away from him. It's kind of like, you guys ever run into somebody that you're trying to stay away from? Like you owe something to someone or you owe an apology to somebody. You, fi you find, find them in the mall. You're like, really? There's so many malls and you have to come right now to Santa Anita Mall. Out of all places to this particular, like, you know, cookie store. You know what I'm saying? Like, why? And, and I, think, I think that's kind of how it is with God. You just show up, God's there. You show up, God's there. You show up, God's there. You, wait, guess what? You're a church. What do you think God is? You know what I'm saying? Like, you show, hey, I'm not playing. You go to work and some Christian tells you something that you don't want to hear. 
Or maybe you're driving and you see something, ah, whatever. You hear a song that's not even supposed to be playing. It's like not Christian radio, but it reminds you of something God's doing in your life. You know what I'm talking about? I tried it before. I tried to tune him out. But I love a God who loves you enough to bug you, to throw, to throw storms at your life, to remind you, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? I love a Lord who loves you enough. Listen, he loves you enough. He loves you enough to say, I'm willing to watch you go through something so long as you and I can walk together again. My king loves you so much. My Lord loves you so much. You cannot run away from his love or his presence, but you can run away from his calling. You are delaying the future God has for you if you don't sell everything you got and give it to him. I don't mean give it to church. I don't mean give it to people. It's yours, God. It's yours. Who do you sell it to? My question is, I have a great answer. This is a really, really cool answer. The person you sell it to is the only one that can truly buy it, and that is Jesus Christ. When you sell everything you have to God, it belongs to him. It's all his. He pays for it at the price of blood, and now it's at his disposal. Let me ask you this. Do you really believe genuinely tonight that God called you to do something and something great on this earth? A lot of people, I'll close with this, I promise you. A lot of people in this place, in this church particularly, have felt the tug of God in their life to serve him and to truly surrender to him. Your biggest enemy is self-centeredness, is selfishness. Jonah did not want to preach the gospel. Not because he couldn't. Because his message was so weak and it still brought revival. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Say, God, I am available to do whatever you want me to do. To go through discomfort. To leave everything I own. Everything I have. Can I tell you this? My kids are God's kids. They're not mine. They're not my children. They'll never grow up thinking they're God. They'll never grow up thinking they're the center of the universe because they belong to God. You know what? This is how we serve them. This is how we raise them. You need to obey me, not because I need to be obeyed, but because you need to one day learn to obey the Lord who will bless your life. You have to get that. See, because if you are disobedient, you walk in disobedience and your generations will walk in disobedience. If you cannot get this tonight, you will be like a seed that will never be planted. A seed, unless it dies and it's buried, it could not bear fruit. You have yet to be planted. Tonight is a great night to be planted in the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to die to my dreams, my likes, my desires, myself. I want to be born in you. I want a life in you. I don't preach light Christianity anymore because Christianity is never light. It is four strong, tough, brave, faith-filled, faithful men and women of God. It is never soft. It is never easy. And if it is easy, it's because you're not engaged in the battle God wants you to fight. If you love God, if you love God, you love people that don't love you. You know how crazy that is? This is why... This is why this guy, Jonah, didn't want to preach. Because the Ninevites had killed his family. The Ninevites were the most evil, most wicked people on the face of the earth. I can't read to you what the kind of stuff they did because there's children still in this room. These were the most evil people on the face of the earth. And he said, I will not preach to them. Because if I preach to them, I know you're kind enough to forgive them. That's what he said. 
You know what? God will ask you to love people that don't deserve you to love them. People that might have hurt you, your family. That's the kind of Christianity God is calling you to. The kind of forgiveness that is immediate and instant. The kind of obedience that doesn't need an explanation. It needs simply to know who it's coming from. And then the rest unfolds. I want you to do something with me for just a second. This is a call to obey God. Now that's so broad. And so, so many people say, yes, I'll obey God. They go to a conference. They go to a church. I'll obey the Lord. And then they say, with what? And then they try one thing and they fail at that one thing. There's some, see, obeying God is not complicated. It is the easiest thing, but it is, no, it is the simplest thing. It's just not easy. Obeying God is the simplest things. It is just not easy. I want you to stand up with me for just a second. And I want you to think about this. What does it mean to obey God's call in my life? I love it because in American Christianity, everybody has a different call. So you cannot possibly hold me accountable because it's my call. And so in American Christianity, we cannot hold each other accountable to the cross. We cannot tell somebody, hey, man, let's kick it into gear. Why? Because, hey, God called me to live out my Christianity like this, just like this. I'm like, an Ameri- I'm, I'm like a Christian hippie. Don't touch me. Don't tell me anything. I just do whatever I want in my life. I can just do my thing. And it's a sad thing because the truth is this. There's a Nineveh that God loves so much. There's a place that is literally dying and going to hell. There's a place, and that place may even be your own family. It may be a hell in your house. You don't have to wait to death. Some people will tell me, I know, even in this place would say, you don't know my house. It's a living hell. We don't talk to each other. We don't love each other. My dad hates my mom. They're roommates, if that. I know that's not a place where you want to live. But maybe God is calling you to be a Jonah in that Nineveh. Maybe, just maybe, in your work, in your school, where kids commit suicide every single year in high school. We hear it over and over. And maybe God placed you there for a reason. Maybe, just maybe, God made you Mexican, white, black, Asian, so that you can reach people that they won't hear a Mexican. Can somebody understand what I'm saying? Simply because they have preconditioned ideas. I praise God for having people of all different races in this place. Do you know why? Because God's equipping you to be a missionary to reach someone that because you don't speak their language, you may not reach them. But guess what? Your brother can't because he speaks their language. Guess what? I can tell you this right here with all confidence. I'm so secure in one thing that we all have one call. One call and one call alone. To pick up our cross and to follow Jesus. That us for to pick up the cross and to follow him the question is to follow him where see because to so many people Jesus is going in 10 different directions so it's so easy oh, I'm, I think Jesus is going this way so I'm just going to go that way and that way and that way Jesus is going one simple place and that is to Gethsemane he's going to the skull to Golgotha he's going to the place where the cross will stand that is to die for a dying world that is the simplest of messages I can tell you today The call of God is to die for a dying world. We want to live. And the only way to live according to Jesus is to give up your life and follow him. It's exciting. It's fun. I'm not going to tell you it's all hard because it's awesome. It's amazing. I have so many more friends now than I ever did. I don't lack friendships. I don't lack enjoyment. I don't lack fulfillment. We've done from skydiving, scuba diving, jumped airplanes and stuff like that, jet skiing. We've done it. We've gone to different places of the world, but all with a simple purpose. Not my fulfillment, not my enjoyment. Discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. 
pray today that God will help you. Women, please listen to me. Marry your purpose first. Hey, that's revelation, I promise you. Marry your purpose first. The second is easy. See, because if you don't marry your purpose, this is the strangest thing. You will think that a man will satisfy and a man will fulfill and he won't. There's too much for him. Too much burden for that guy. He's not your purpose. He's not your purpose. Marry your purpose. Marry your purpose first. Then that person that's walking on the same purpose of God will simply be able to say, oh, okay, I got it. Now I know why you're alive. Now I know why we're alive. It is so exciting. It is so exciting. Women, please remember, please, if you get nothing else, marry this, your purpose. Marry your purpose. Amen? Close your eyes, please. I feel there's someone here that has some doubts, as I did at some point. And the doubts were not necessarily about the existence of God. Is my coexistence with God. Here's the crazy thing. With your eyes closed for just a second. I know a fool can believe in God. It doesn't take intelligence to do that. Idiots will tell you God doesn't exist. The reason is because they can't figure something out. Something so simple. They're loved. When you don't know you're loved, you don't belong anywhere. Who cares if, if anything matters? Nothing matters. There's no accountability to anyone because at the end of the day, you're an island. There's nothing and no one to live for or die for. You're just a switch that gets turned off at the end of the day. And that's a lie. God created you for eternal intimacy with him. For a beautiful purpose. He loved you so much, he sent his own son to die for you. Stop running away from the call of God in your life. If you're here today and you've been sinning, you've been struggling with pornography, masturbation, lying, cheating, laziness, exaggerations. Oh, man, you don't think this one's a sin, but I promise you it is. Stagnation. You don't want to follow. You don't want to run. You don't want to do anything because you want to live the way you want. That's called rebellion. Where you choose your life, your life instead of God's life. That is... So sad. You're dumping, throwing away whatever God paid such a high price for. So today is a great day where you would say, God, I don't want to keep on running away from you. This week I spoke to a pastor's kid. I bought some rims from him, some tires. And I was talking to this guy and he said, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I love the whole church thing. Just don't ever come and try to save me. And when he said that to me, it hurt my heart so much. Because I also have a kid. And he's a pastor's kid. And when I saw this PK tatted up, thinking crazy. Problems were not the tattoos in his body, the tattoos in his mind. That was the issue. That he thought he was someone. But I believe this man at some point had heard a message something like this. And he, called, he became called to the message. And now he was living away from God. How I wish I could hug him. How he tried and I invited him. But how I wish I can... Tell him what I tell Elijah every day. You matter more than ministry. You matter more than church. Can I tell you this today? This church simply exists because God loves you. You don't live for this church. You don't live for the ministry. You live because God loves you and he created an environment for you to grow and thrive in. Here's what I need to tell you today. If you've been running away from God, maybe, just maybe, today is your day. Today is the day where you say, Lord, I want to stop running away and I want to start running towards you. 
Dear God, I want to see thousands of people restored through my life. God, I want to see, I don't have what it takes, but you do. God, I pray right now that you use my life. Oh, I feel like a few of you here are responding to the call of God. Some of you have been falling and stumbling and you don't even know why. Here is your answer. It's because you're walking by yourself in darkness. When God's light comes to your life, stumbling no more. Without vision, people lose control. This is what God is speaking right now. Without vision, people perish. This is the time where you say, God, I want to live for you again. Forgive me, God, if I've fallen into routines, if I've fallen into thinking that I'm just one more number, one more person. Forgive me, God, if I've hung out with people that are walking away from you and I don't want to sink with them, God. Tell them, dear Lord, I ask you today to help me, God. Help me, God, to run towards you, not away from you. God, I relinquish, to, I relinquish everything that I own, God. I release everything I own and I give it to you. God, make wonders with it. Lord, I pray right now that you invest my life into the life of thousands. I pray right now, God, that you accept the sacrifice of this life. Some of you here need to present your life at the place where God wants it to be. I'm not going to pray with you for now. You're going to pray your own prayer. Here's what I would tell you. With your eyes closed, every one of you, the rest of you who won't do it, you're not hurting me. I promise you that. You're delaying the blessings of God. This guy was asleep thinking there was no storm while the boat was sinking. Some people will choose to sleep. But there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day where heaven and hell will be in front of them. And they will say, Lord, and Lord will say, Lord, Depart from me, for I never knew you. The Bible says that some people even casted demons in his name. Some people did miracles, signs, and wonders. And they tried to tell him, Lord, Lord. And the Lord said to him, you say, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. So today is an incredible day to say, Lord, I want you to know me. I want to know you, God. I want relationship with you. I don't want a religion. God, I want you. I want your purpose in my life. I realize I can't run away from you, and I want to stop trying. I want to run towards you now. Dear God, I give you my heart and I give you my life. I give you my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my flaws, my sins. I give you all that I've done. God, I trade in my past for the future in you. Dear God, I give you all that I am. Jesus, accept my life as a sacrifice. God, accept my life. I surrender myself to you. I come back to you. If you're praying this prayer, I'd love to tell you one thing. God is a God of second chances. God heard Jonah in the depths of the sea and the belly of a whale. Oh, God can hear you today at CFF. God can hear you right now crying out to him. Cry out to him. Take five more minutes, two more minutes, and just cry out to God. In your own words, you don't have to pray fancy words, religious words. Just cry out to God. Maybe you were raised believing in, in, in certain, uh, you know, certain saints or, or Allah or, or, or so many different things. And, and I just invite you to forget all that and come back to Christ and simply say, Jesus, I want your purpose in my life. I want your life in me. Maybe you were here and you were raised without religion, without any of that. And I praise God for that. I would rather have you believe in God than believe in the church because, see, a church that doesn't believe in God is not worth going to. But if you believe in God and you belong to this church and you're strengthening this body, I declare you right now a man and a woman who believes in the Lord. A one who says, I don't care 
I will give you my life, God. I will give you my life. I don't want to sink. Come on now. Come on now. Break pride. Break ego. Break routine. Come on now. Break routine. Break pride for just a second. What have you been trading in for your call? Who have you been sleeping with? What's been stealing your consecration? What has been robbing you of your passion for God? What takes up your mind that is more important than the souls that God loves so much? What has taken the seat of God that doesn't deserve that throne? Come on now, this is your time. If you want salvation, to come to your house. Tell him, God, I consecrate myself to you, Lord. I give myself to you. I don't want to run away anymore. God, I give you my life and I give you my heart. Oh, Jesus, please, Lord, please, God. Close the doors that don't, deserve, that don't belong to you, Lord. Can you pray that prayer? Can you pray the most dangerous prayer, dangerous prayer you could pray tonight? Can you pray that dangerous prayer with me? Can you tell him, God, close the doors that don't belong to you. As nice, as appealing, as prosperous, as beautiful as they may be, if they're not your doors, I want them closed, God. Close the doors. Shut them, God. Close doors for me. Many times you prayed for open doors. Now pray for shut doors. Pray that God will slam those doors shut that he doesn't stand behind. Tell them, God, I don't care what it is, God. I don't want it if it's not from you. I don't care how much. I don't care who it is. If it's not yours, I do not want it. God, give me the guts, the strength, God, to shut the door. To shut the door, God. Give me the strength to walk away from open doors that are not yours. God, I want to run to you, God. Close the doors that are not from you. As nice, as kind, as beautiful, as godly as they may seem. If they're not the door you want me to walk through, shut it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. I thank you, God, for the Jonas of today. For those that say, I've run away way too long. I pray a prayer of repentance. I want to come back into your purpose. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You've got to run applause. I want to... As you leave, as you leave, I want to read uh, the prayer of Jonah inside the belly of, of, the, of the fish. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current whirlwinds about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look you again. Towards your holy temple, the engulfing waters threatened me. Check this out. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sunk down. The earth beneath bared me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was abiding or fading away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. 
Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice you. What I have bowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and Jonah became vomit. God bless you guys. We'll see you guys during the week. Peace out.